things you own end up owning you. What's going on, cutie pies? Hope everybody's doing great out there. My guest today is Pedro Del Moral. Pedro is a biomedical and biotech researcher, and I wanted to bring him on to talk about the intricacies of certain fad diets that are going on right now as it relates to the diets like the carnivore diet and quote-unquote the animal-based diet. We also chat about my recent visit to Florida and compared to California. So if you have any thoughts on uh, where you think I should live, uh, drop them in the comments. Don't forget to check out IHateOatMilk.com and get yourself some fun merch, and I hope you enjoy the show. Yeah, yeah, there's a sweet spot, right? Um, all right, so Pedro Del Moral, welcome back, sir. We got some synthwave going for you. <laughs> I'll turn Good it off to in be a here, second. Bro. Yeah, man, welcome back, brother. You're the best. Um, what were you saying? We were talking about working out there, right? And it's like, yeah. but there's a sweet spot. I think for me personally, and I think honestly, over time, I think it's for most people. I think it's like after breakfast, maybe, maybe even after breakfast, and then a snack, and then that whatever window is like the best time for most people to work out where they're like the strongest, they feel the freshest and like, you know, they don't have a whole day of stuff that they've been doing. So right. they're not like worn out. What do you think? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I remember watching one of uh, Jeff Nippard's video. You know who that guy is, right? I'm not a fan of him. Yeah, anymore, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> he, he had some good. Everything is scientific. On. Just like everything. Yeah. Like how to take a shit yeah. scientifically. It's just like. You have to do it a specific it, way. This is the. <laughs> yes, yes. God forbid the toxins might back up a little bit. You know? And I have 14 papers to back that up. I'm telling you. Like he finds <laughs> it too, right? You're like, Jesus. Yeah. But I, I listened to some of his stuff and I implemented it. And it makes sense. Between a 3 to 5 p.m. Out, uh, window is when your uh, motor units are most primed for he heavy lifting and if you can get your glycogen levels up throughout the day for that lift then mm -hmm. it helps out a lot your strength just goes up um, your blood pressure can be a little bit higher without any drawbacks little things like that that improve your performance versus first thing in the morning you just woke up you still got a little bit of melatonin circulating in your, in your bloodstream you're still kind of fatigued and unless that epinephrine kicks in, it's not really going to be a good workout. Yeah. Um, it's like, I think it can last for some people for some amount of time. Have you ever done, uh, have you ever gotten obsessed about like uh, early morning uh, fasted cardio? Like a lot of, a lot of bodybuilders do and fitness chicks, right? Like they love that shit. They love that. Because, you know, if you've never done it before, you got to admit that there is that like, sexy appeal of like adrenaline in the morning or you wake up mm -hmm. you're like all right yeah. you know like it's usually with people that have, have had some bad things happen in their life maybe and like they're like all right or or maybe they gotten really fat and really out of shape and then they you know do the whole thing i'm like okay i'm gonna get myself together i'm gonna start waking up doing early morning cardio and i think they'll wake yeah. up have a coffee monsters though usually it's like a monster right <laughs> or like two of them maybe or or an oat milk latte. <laughs> or, or all three, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they're just going, ah, you know, they're just fucking rocking it. But it, it, it so many of those people crash. Like almost all of them, I think, crash eventually. You just can't, yep. you can't do that. You can only, I think there's, there must be some sort of, you know, reserve system. And I mean, there is. But like, you know, I feel like you're just using up that reserve system. And then once it's gone, man, it's fucking, it's hard to, to bring that shit back. When I was uh, big on Jocko Willink's stuff, and he's always up 4.30 a.m. He's posting the, he's fucking the watch pictures. <laughs> I, I did that for a good two, three months, and I was more productive. I got more done, but I also crashed like at least two to three times in a day. Exactly. And 
at that point, I mean, it e- evens out. Like the same amount of work that I got done from the 40 a.m. wake up time versus mm-hmm. the 8 a.m. wake up time was identical. <laughs> hey, man, have you ever seen um, Mark Wahlberg's daily schedule? Have you ever heard of that thing? No, I haven't. Oh, my yeah. God. I'm going to have to pull this up. So Mark Wahlberg wakes up at like 2 a.m., I think, mm-hmm. and he has like a schedule written out. And Who's Mark Wahlberg again, first of all? Mark Wahlberg? Dude, Marky Mark. Come on, man. It's not, it's not ringing. Um, come on, dude. The guy from, what's he most famous for? Well, he was Marky oh, Mark. He was a rapper yeah, yeah. from Boston. Yeah, yeah. He did The yeah. Fighter. Okay. He's been in like a, a billion movies. The Gaines movie. That guy. Gangs movie? What gangs movie? Gang, Gaines. Um, with, uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Bob Miami guy, with The guy. Rock. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's a pretty good one, actually. That was kind of fun. Well, if you're into like Synthwave and like Miami lifestyle <laughs> in the 80s and doing <laughs> cocaine. Yeah, yeah, it's fun. <laughs> so here's his daily schedule. Uh, 2.30, wake up. 2.45, prayer time. 3.15, breakfast. <laughs> and then there's like a workout and a post-workout meal. And so, and then he goes to bed at like 7.30 p.m. And like, not, not like a sane person would like look at that and be like, why don't you just go to bed at like 10.30 p.m. and just wake up like a normal person? Like, what is it with people doing these fucking extreme things? And it's just really funny, dude. So like, they did this video of him uh, um, with one of the a nighttime... Uh, nighttime show hosts you know what i'm talking about mm-hmm. um english guy i can't remember Were they the follow followed him yeah they or... did it with him like they went to the gym at 2 30 a.m and he's yeah. like up and doing like push-ups and shit like it's just so fucking funny to me dude. wow that's great at least they, he proved that he does it at, i mean you have video proof that's pretty <laughs> I, damn impressive yeah i guess so i guess so you never know <laughs> well yeah that, i don't know if he's still doing that i bet you he's not i guarantee you he's not there's oh, no it, way it doesn't last it's just dumb it's like i don't know man i i do think you know, people talk about circadian rhythm and all that, and I don't know if we ever really ever figured the whole th- picture out because I think there's more to it. But there is something about like, for me personally, and with other clients that I've worked with and talked to, if you if I go to bed say twelve thirty, you know, at night, midnight after midnight, and I get my eight hours of sleep, I'm not as fresh as if I go to bed at say ten thirty and still get the same amount of sleep. I just don't feel as fresh. I still feel good. Like I still need that like eight hours. That's like the, the, for me, I, like absolutely need it. Anything I can pass on seven, but it's like oof, getting to that fucking zone of like me, you know, like, uh. yeah. Yeah, yeah. but there's something about that sweet, I think going to bed a little bit earlier than what you're used to. And I think that if we were still kind of living in nature, quote unquote, even though I know that doesn't mean much anymore these days, but I feel like probably come 10 o'clock, since it gets dark already, even in the summer, it gets dark at what? 6.30, p.m., 7.30 tops? You're probably going to be starting to wind down and wanting to go to sleep. So it seems like it would be a more of a natural sleeping schedule than staying up to like 2 a.m., say, and still getting eight hours, but waking up at 10. I think it's just, it does, it's not quite the same. You don't feel as fresh. I can confirm that for you now, especially my schedule. Like I mentioned, I'm up 4 a.m. The only way I can function if I'm up 4 a.m. is if I sleep before 10 p.m. So I'm in bed 9 to 9.30 p.m. as it stands. And what, that's like seven hours roughly. Um, I feel so much better getting those seven hours and being up at 4 a.m. than I would from 12 o'clock and then 7 a.m. in the morning. I am so lethargic and my brain doesn't function properly. I don't have good concentration if I sleep past 12. It's always been the bane of my life. My Mm -hmm. friends would go out and enjoy life past midnight and I would be the guy that went to bed early because it just, it messes me up. So I feel that 
Same here. I think most people, I, I think it just, I mean, there are those rare occasions of people that like their entire fucking life, they've been going to bed at like 2 a.m. Yeah. But I don't know, man. I've never met one that's like really healthy or something or is like a, you, you know, doing something really, just re- really, let's say they're a high performer in, in you know, athlete or, or you know, or, or just a, or say a job executive. You know what I'm saying? Like I've never met one that's, just their entire life, they've been going bed to they've been going bed late and waking up kind of like early afternoon. They always mm-hmm. seem to be not not the healthiest types. Yeah, but yeah. I don't know. You know, prove me wrong. I mean, I'm sure there's some out there. I'm sure there's some out there. There's always outliers, but the majority falls on the what you're describing. Yeah, I think that before midnight is probably like a sweet spot of going to sleep, eh? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, all right, man. So what else you been up to, bro? Same old man. Just <laughs> school, work, and. Rinse and repeat. That nothing new on my side. What about you? What's what's it like in LA at the moment? Wednesday, you move to Tampa. People are waiting. Here, working bro. on it. Working on it. I really am. I really am. Um, yeah, you know. I mean, you know, you and I met in Tampa, by the way. So it was a good time. Yeah. So people know. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. You know, like we talked about, there is a reason that a shitload of people live in Southern California. It's a great spot. It's a great spot. But it just has been so abused and ruined over the last probably more than 20 years now, but especially the last 20 years that it's just beca- it just became not what it what it could mm-hmm. be because it could be literally heaven because mm-hmm. we, we have we have mountains here, right? There's no mountains in Florida, right? We have mountains here and we have, you know, all sorts of parks and we have the fucking beach. And yeah, it's a little bit colder. That that is the only one thing that Florida it's like yeah. hands down is better. The beaches right. are better simply just because you have warm water most of the year. By the way, like I, I took a fucking dip in Miami like in January. You can't do that here. Like I was, you mm-hmm. know, you, you, your balls would literally fall off and, and ro- roll into the fucking Miami South Beach, you know. Um yeah. So but it, it's such so it's hard to like completely sever it but at the same time it's like that relationship with you know a, an ex-girlfriend that like you're like no no like this time it'll work and we'll get back together and you're just like all right bro <laughs> i feel like you're talking to me personally <laughs> hey we've all done that we've all been there and done that you know it's normal that's what i'm saying it's yeah. funny right but i agree with you man especially san diego like we talked about it so in depth it is by far the nicest city in america that i've ever been to but the only thing is the prices are ridiculous even some of the people my boss the guy that i work for he lives in san fran and he's he thought about moving to san diego but because the price is almost identical he ruled that out everything works everything is amazing about san diego all the list is checked out but all of his bullet points on the list but the problem is the price and it apparently seems like it's going up i mean rent around tampa area went up from when I got here 2019 mm-hmm. about 200 300 dollars for the same yeah. one bedroom apartment yeah it's crazy you know to be fair I have been looking at you know apartment buildings and stuff apartment prices and stuff honestly dude it's like the same as LA it's like the same as LA. is it really it's pretty much the same I mean I'm sure there are surrounding areas you know and I don't know them that well but I'm sure you know if you're 30 40 minutes away from Tampa for sure it's probably yeah. gonna be cheaper but not by as much as we would imagine, you know, because I didn't know that. It's I thought LA spot. was like 2200 or above for like a one bedroom apartment. 
Yeah, I mean, that's what it is. <laughs> yeah, like if you want like a nice one, you can right, get right, one. Right. Like that's the other kind of part of the puzzle here is that like right. I've been in a rent the control quality. building. Well, the quality, but I mean like I've been in a rent control building for like six, seven years. So my rent goes up uh, like 2% or some shit like that every year. So it's, you know, I'm paying 50 bucks more. So that's the only thing that's been good for me in LA, you know, because otherwise, yeah, I would be paying $2,200 yeah. a month, you know. I don't know, man. I don't know. <laughs> but well, it's a sweet I, spot. <laughs> I know one thing, though, bro. I mean, we talked about this too, but I know that because Tampa is the hub right now, there's so many people. I think it was Austin between 2016 to 2019. And then 2020, roughly 2021 is when Tampa just blew up. Yeah. Everybody started coming into St. Petersburg. Yeah. Everybody started coming to Clearwater area. I think within the next five years, at most 10 years, this place will be – um, pretty much identical to most of the Californian cities. But at the same time, as people move out of California, there's room for change in California itself. Yeah. And so we may have a completely different California in five years as well, yeah, yeah. which may be even more optimal by the time. I mean, I clearly don't want to be in the same position I'm in now. I want to get my finances up. And if I can get my finances up, what's stopping me from living in paradise, basically? Mm. You see, you're thinking about it too. You like it here yeah. too. Yeah, it's, you know, I don't I don't want to be disingenuous, you know, because it's like people, people, it's so much easier to just put your foot down and be like, no, California's the fucking worst, or Florida's the worst, or that's the best, and it's just like fucking so dumb. Because, you know, by the way, everybody in California thinks that everybody in Florida is like a redneck with one tooth. Yeah, yeah. I'm, and it's I'm like more. so not like that. I'm sure, I'm sure there's some get fucking spots like that in the Everglades there, yeah. which nobody goes to or Those lives two. in, <laughs> right? But it's like I, I drove from all the way from northern Florida, from Jack, uh, Jacksonville down to Miami, and I've driven through all the major cities. And it's like so di- – just as diverse as California and all sorts of different right. people. Like I didn't have that experience once where I felt like I was in – by the way, and I've mi- I lived in Midwest and, and the South, and I've, mm-hmm. and I've been to those places. And it's like it's not like that at all. Right. But everybody in California thinks that way. And, of course, everybody in Florida who's, like, maybe never been to California thinks that it's just, Thanks, like... Yeah. Hippies like, or something. Yeah, or, like, I don't know, non-binary trans people with pink hair. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's all that it is right. here. I actually have a question regarding your trip. How did you like Jacksonville? Because I, I've never been there, and I heard it's pretty nice. I was just there for a day, and then we went down to St. Augustine. But, yeah, it's, I'm, just like what you said about Tampa, I think the same thing will happen in Jacksonville. It'll keep growing. Mm-hmm. You know, it's that northern kind of tip, so it's not, it's not what I think people imagine about florida florida right which is by the way a whole other conversation like i think all those stereotypes just like with california too you know if you go to san francisco and and then you just go to la you think that in you think that the entire state of california is like that (laughs) and it's like not at all that way Mm -hmm. you could go Mm -hmm. to the middle of california and it might as well be kentucky there's straight up like redneck people out there that live around people that do meth and you know it's like wild it's w- very different. And I think the same right. thing happens with Florida. People go to Miami and they experience that like humidity. And because it, it's, by the way, it's, it was way hotter in Miami. Way, like it was like, I felt it as I, as I drove from Tampa, or no, I drove from Vero Beach, which is like middle of Florida on the Atlantic coast. Mm-hmm. Um, I drove down to Miami. I was like, <sighs> like I felt it like as I'm driving, you know, like the weather is different. The people are different. It's 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 different, you know, and it's any big city will do that, of course. You know what I'm saying? So it's really easy to go to the biggest city of the state and just think that the entire state is like that. But 
I don't think that's the case. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree with you. I think the humidity increases the heat, the, like how much heat you feel. Like if you put it, your hand over boiling water, the steam is what burns you and not so much the heat. So mm-hmm. I think the same thing's happening when you go to places as humid as Miami. Makes sense. Yeah. So we were in Jacksonville and then I went down to uh, St. Augustine. We have been there. That's about like 40 minutes away from uh, Jacksonville. I haven't. Cool spot too, though. It's a, it's a bit more touristy because it's like apparently it's the oldest um, city of the Americas or whatever. It wasn't part of yeah. the United States. It was like 15 something. I can't remember the exact date. Correct me if I'm wrong. Sorry if I'm wrong if you live in St. Augustine. But it's really beautiful. <laughs> it's really beautiful. It's really cool. It's unique. It's, they got like old stuff there. You know, there's like historical stuff there. Um, so it's cool, you know, but it's quieter, you know. Of course, it's not San Diego where you kind of have that, that sweet balance of city and then you can just go to the mountains and do on a hike and there'll be nobody there. Which is why. So what are, what are we doing, bro? What, are we going to settle in San Diego? What's I'm sorry. Here? I know. I, we keep going around. I'm sorry. <laughs> Here's what we're going to do. We're going to start playing the lottery, all right? And we're going to win a shitload of money. I mean, and we're buying a compound in San Diego. <laughs> that really is the only determining factor. If we made, what, a couple million? What? Does it matter, really? Mm-hmm. I don't think it would. All right. All right. So to be fair, okay. How about Tampa, though? What are some of the negatives? Maybe not some, or maybe one or two. Like, what's... What's a genuine down factor of Tampa? The traffic is growing. It, I do the drive from uh, Clearwater to Tampa itself, the city. Yeah. And it's 20 miles, less than 20 miles. It should take me about 30 minutes. It's like almost an hour at times if yeah. I don't leave a certain time. Yeah. You, so the traffic is growing. You got that problem. Then it's just flat land. You don't feel as inspired as you're in California. You're looking out from like a cliff into the beach and it's like, you got that synth wave going. Something changes inside of you. The flat, I think being in a flatland really affects some people, and I'm one of them. And then the. You like the mountains. I do, but I love the beach way more. It's just that. Oh, same here. Okay, same here. So, see, like, if you had to choose one, it would still be the beach, right? Like, if you had to choose Colorado or you got to choose Florida, like one or the other. Florida. Okay, me too. Yeah. Mountains are awesome. I get it. You know, you get that extra CO2. Okay, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. But I just give, like, I'm not so much of a, you know, those like hikers that like go on, like people that go on a hike with you and like time themselves? No, I've never been with people like that. <laughs> well, I've been with people like that. I'm just like, like, what is wrong with you? Go fuck yourself. Like, I'm good. So traffic is growing. Uh, it's yeah. not as inspiring because it's not as such a diverse uh, environment there, I guess. Yeah. Other than that, that's it, man. Because I like Tampa is a hub for biotech businesses. And so if I was going to go into that field of mm. work or in the industry, I would make way more money here than I think I would in California. Yeah, I think that's true. Yeah, and then outside of that, I mean, nothing really. Prices aren't bad. Um, besides rents, if you own a house, you're actually better off. But at the same time, the houses here are not the same as California. It's like you can. There's some that are better in California, some that are better in Tampa. It depends what kind of house you pick. So some of the California houses are what made of stucco, right? And so they can collapse <laughs> at any moment. It's fucking true, dude. That's that one. That's one thing that I noticed immediately when I moved to LA. Even like my first year, I was like. What are these? Because you can hear everything here. You know, mm-hmm. knock on wood, I'm blessed to be living in an apartment building where all my neighbors are quiet and chill. Like, I, I don't have any issues with that. But I've lived many other places where it was like, you just hear people. They're not even being that loud. 
but you just hear them doing everything. You hear them fucking next door, like literally, like, and you feel yeah. like you're right there, you know, because <laughs> everything is just made out of shit here. That's the, that's the, so, you know, that, that's a better thing of Florida, right? Because you do have that weather. So more space too. Yeah. And more, more space. space and more space. I still think, of course, man, buying a house anywhere down here is going to be, even if you have all the money, it's still going to be more expensive than it is to buy a house in this, in the nice suburbs of Florida. You know? Absolutely. Yeah. Well, all right, bro. Playing the lottery. We're going to have to figure this out. Man. <laughs> uh, when was the last time you were here? Two years 20, ago? Uh, 2019? Yeah, 2019 I was there. Um, okay. But I, I want to come there after I graduate this July for at least two, three weeks. At, when are you graduating? Not, at the end of the month or beginning or do you know? Or? Yeah, so I graduate July 7th, I think it is. And oh, then I'm going to hopefully go to see my family uh, in Brazil that I haven't seen oh, in a while. And then on and the then way back, you back, make a little pit stop in San Diego and, and I meet like, you. My birthday is on the 27th. The Red Hot Chili Peppers. Uh, July, July, July. July. Gotcha. The Red Hot Chili Peppers are playing a concert right down in San down. Diego. I got an extra ticket. You're in. Let's go. What, bro? Yes. Red Hot Chili? That's Red... like the dream. That's the dream. That's why I got the tickets. It's my birthday, number one. On right. the day of my birthday, they're playing a concert in San Diego uh, where they don't check your fucking cards like they do here, right? They don't ask you to check your fake <laughs> card. Not that I have one. Nobody does. It's all legit. And um, nobody cares. You don't have to wear a mask. Um which is funny again because it's dude it's two hours away from LA and it's like it might, might as well so be a different. different state yeah I mean seriously it's really funny so yeah you you go down there and it's uh we're doing it July 27th so, so, we're at Chili Peppers alright John Frusciante is back we do this and I'm gonna regret living in Florida so that means I gotta start applying to in California <laughs> <laughs> oh man, because San Diego is nice, dude. It's, it's like, and Mexico's nice, right there man. too. It, it also might as well be fucking Mexico. By the way, people go come to LA and they think Mexican food is good here. <laughs> go to yeah. San Diego. Because when I went there, I was blown away. And then I met up with Matt Blackburn over there. By the way, mm-hmm. and uh, he took me. We we went to some spots. He didn't even know either. Even though he's from fucking San Diego, this guy, and I made fun of him for it. I was like, but he didn't know anything. <laughs> I was like, how do you not know like the spot? You know, like like if you come to LA, like I'll know some spots to take you, like you know that everybody goes to. You got to go to that's like this is the quintessential LA spot. Like Matt didn't really have a spot, and I was like, all right. <laughs> but we we got yeah. some. We just you just go to a random taco shop, any any random one, and it's fucking unbelievable. It's like really good mexican food it's not like that stuff that you get at those like shitty mexican restaurants in the midwest where it's like a massive plate bigger than your fucking shoulders right, yeah, yeah. you know and it's just like laying there and it's just all, it's just covered in cheese it looks like diarrhea always it looks the same it looks the same you know what i'm saying yeah. like it never looks anything it's not like yeah. that it's like these tacos and they have like different flavors and it doesn't look like diarrhea it looks like it's like well cooked and like put together and it's like it's it's that way at every shop there I mean, I'm sure there's some shitty taco places there, but I'm just saying, cause, cause I feel like, you know, you got to level up. So they're, they're just leveling each other up. And you, we went to like a random place and I was, this is like the best tacos I've ever had in my life. So Mexican food, if you like Mexican food, San Diego. Yeah, bro, big time. I remember last time I went there, 2018, there was this one small shop and they rolled burritos about the size of like my forearm <laughs> for like eight, eight bucks. And it was, I mean, you couldn't eat the whole thing in two days, honestly. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. It's pretty damn good, so I know now, exactly what you're talking about. You brought that up. It's funny. Now, that one, that one thing that I will give to Miami, by the way, which which Miami is, by the way, it's just L.A. 
on water with cocaine mm-hmm. and gold diggers. That's the way <laughs> I put it. I forgot to tweet that. I wanted to tweet that, but I forgot about it. <laughs> anyway, but it is. I mean, it's just LA on water. I mean, I, I know there's minor differences here and there. Like, like uh, what, what one hilarious thing. Well, okay, let me, t- let me tell you what I thought of first. Um, you brought up food at like $8 burritos. I, I went to like, they had these little Cuban bodegas there in Miami. You know, it's just like these yeah, yeah. Latina mommies and they're just, they speak straight. That, that's what I was going to say. They speak straight up Spanish to you. They give zero fucks. In LA, if you go to like a Mexican shop and you're like, hey, sir, can I get, and they'll get like a little bit uptight because they're having a hard time answering you because usually they don't speak English either. But so they're, but they get like a little like, like, um, oh, sin. Where you can put, you know, and they're like trying, you know, like they don't speak English, but they're trying. So it's like, you know, you feel like taken care of. Dude, you go to Miami and that's like, I went to a bunch of places like that. And I'm like, hi, can I get a whatever, whatever? And they just go, hola papi. And I just go, I'm sorry. Um, I just want like that thing. And then uh, and they, just, they give zero fucks. It's like, you feel like you're on their turf. You know, and I mean, it might as well be Latin America down there because it's, yeah. I was yep. walking yep. down the street and all I hear is like Spanish, literally, no joke, not exaggeration. Huge, just, huge Cuban influence. Just like there. Cuban, Colombians, Venezuelans, mm-hmm. they're all fucking there. And Brazilians too. I mean, yeah. we have Brazilians here, but they, it's not as like, it's not as concentrated. Yeah. They're like, wherever I went, it was just all Spanish. <laughs> it was just, and they give, they don't do that. Like Mexicans are like, they, they try to explain it to you. Like, oh, well, here they just go. You're like, oh my God. And it's just like, I give zero fucks. So I ordered this like thing for breakfast. I got three eggs, two hash browns, bacon, sausage, a baguette, and a cafecito, you know, like a Cuban mm-hmm, style. Mm-hmm. Six dollars. Yeah, bro. That's that's the difference. Now, I know it's not organic. I know, I know. Right, it's cooked right. in fucking the worst yeah. oil ever. Just oils. I, I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But. You can't find that in LA for six dollars. No, no, that's the thing. Everything in LA, there is lots of cafes and lots of amazing food and lots of options, but it's all gonna be a good, hugely different price. Probably eighteen. It used to be fifteen. Probably like twenty now bucks. You know. I remember in West Hollywood area, you got ramen and it was like fifty bucks per um, food option that you wanted. So uh-huh. the ramen bowl plus whatever came with it, fifty bucks, bro. That's, that's unreal. Yeah. Yeah, they do that with Korean food too here. They fuck it. And I, which I could not give a fuck for. It's not that I don't like it. I don't know. Korean food, I don't know. Maybe because I didn't grow up with it. Maybe it's not a cultural thing for me. I'm not a fan. Russians don't eat like massive meals Mm -hmm. like some Asian communities do. You know where they eat like bulgogi and all that shit. And it's like, just keep it coming. (laughs) Just keep it coming. (laughs) I can't. Like I get to a point, I'm done. Like I can't. If I look at another bulgogi, I'm going to throw up right on the plate. Like I'm full. Like I'm done. And you go to like a Korean place and it's like $45, I think, for an all-you-can-eat buffet. And yeah, it's like unbelievable massive amounts of food. But for me, it's never worth it because I'm just like once I'm full, I'm full. I can't do it. But there's those people that, you know, like I have a buddy. He'll just keep going. He'll just be there for Mm -hmm. two hours straight just – more rice, sir. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, you're like, holy fuck, man. You know? So that that can be really expensive. And there's lots of, like, Asian food there, here, and all that stuff. I don't know about there. So then we got to juggle between Asian food, $6 meals, $8 burritos, <laughs> and then red hot chili peppers in San Dude. Diego versus Tampa. Dude. By the lots way, of juggle here, bro. By the way, they're playing in Miami in August, too. And I'm thinking about buying tickets for that, too, and I just mean, going there. Man, I got, I got. Two months roughly before I go back to school. So if 
you want to do it, yeah. I'm down. We're doing cocaine and seeing the Red Hot Chili Peppers in Miami. Sound, sounds good. So <laughs> cocaine is actually a beneficial alkaloid. It helps dopamine. You know, so. <laughs> All right. Good good segue. Good segue. All right. Alkaloids. Okay. All right. We, here we you, go. You and I have been going back and forth about this fucking guy, Mr. Paul Saladino, right? And, and other people because he's not the he's first a, one. He's a vegan, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's a plant, plant-based, animal-based vegan. Animal-based. There we go. Slash that paleo, slash all the other fucking words that you can make up to, to sell. Ray P 2.0. <laughs> well, yeah, now that's true, <laughs> isn't it? We'll be going back and forth because I kind of want to set it up for people maybe here. And correct me if I'm wrong or when I'm wrong. Um, I just want to talk about first like, okay, diets, how the progression of the diet fads have gone you know, in the last, say, 20 years. I feel like around 2000s, the early 2000s, it was still popular to think that vegetarianism or being a plant, that plant-based word was not a word back then. It was just vegetarianism. And nobody called themselves vegan, right? It was just, I'm vegetarian. It was like a thing. And then you had the people that would be like, I eat lacto-ovo, right? Which is like, I eat dairy and eggs, right? Don't, blah, blah, blah. Or, Or my favorite, the ones that call themselves vegetarian but eat fish. It's my absolute favorite people because it's okay. Anyway, <laughs> so I feel like that's that was the case. And then we had the fad of like paleo, the early onset of that with Rob Wolf and uh, mm-hmm. what, what's that uh, researcher, Lorraine, Lauren Cordain, his name. Well, you know, the the, the guy that put, well, okay, okay, you, but you're following me kind of, right? But I know, I know who Rob Wolf, yeah, Rob Wolf, Lauren Cordain. I'm pronouncing it wrong i think but it's something like that that's the guy that kind of did a lot of the research and then rob wolf kind of they did it together and rob wolf made it more popular popularized it more right so then we had like the response to vegetarianism right of like going paleo but then that kind of died off too and then veganism and veganism has been like throughout sprinkled throughout this entire time yeah. it's like building yeah. building building it's like still popular right i feel like there's still probably lots of people becoming vegan there's, of course, lots of people that are not vegan anymore for a certain reason, right? So anyway, and then I feel like veganism kind of took over, kind of became more of the popular. Like if you go to YouTube, like what's the popular fat diets? Who's making the most videos? Like vegan gains, right? Like maybe five years ago, maybe six years ago. I don't know if that amount of time, but anyway. And then now we're getting to this point where a lot of people are dropping the vegan thing, right? There's lots of videos of people um, doing videos like, I was vegan for 10 years and it ruined my health. Here's why I am no longer vegan. Lots of those videos, which is, you know, interesting to see. And then now you have like Paul Saladino, which is I feel like he's like the he's like the new fad response to to the vegan stuff that was happening for the last few years. So we went from like vegetables, fruits, meat is bad, like completely demonize it, right? Saturated fat is terrible. Eggs are terrible. Eggs are chicken periods. They will kill you. What's that thing they said in that documentary that like eating two eggs is like smoking a pack of cigarettes or something like that? That's what the, that's yep. the study that they quoted or whatever, you know, whatever. Um, and then now we have like Paul Saladino, who's like the response to that fat diet of and, and his his thing is now like and not only his, by the way, lots of other people are doing the same thing. His thing is like. F- uh, fuck vegetables. Well, initially it was fuck vegetables, right? I'm carnivore MD. Vegetables are toxic. Uh, f- fruits and carbohydrates are not necessary because we have gluconeogenesis. W- w- so let's throw all that out and let's just focus on the meat, 
And I feel like that's kind of the progression. You know, you know what I'm saying? Am I missing yeah. anything? He started exactly like Sean Baker started. Mm. Sean Baker, you know, this guy's been carnivore for um, probably six years now, but he was in those low carb Reddit. I remember listening to him talk about it, mm-hmm. and he was gaining traction with the idea of the carnivore diet long before Paul Saladino jumped at the bandwagon. Paul was a vegetarian or vegan or something like that where he had eczema. He and says then, that, by the way. You never, I've never seen any videos of it, never seen any pictures, you know. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying he didn't try, but right. you know, you know how people are. When they say, yeah. I did that, like, what do you mean? Like, were you genuinely fucking vegan for three years or you didn't eat? You never cheated? You never got drunk and had a hamburger? Like, obviously, you, you know that even the most devout vegans have their, their spare moments where they just come off the diet so it's obviously somebody like paul who probably wasn't that way was going to come off the diet a couple of times so mm-hmm. yeah he he'll say maybe what two years or however long he did it that he was in a vegan diet and then he switched over to carnivore straight up no in between just vegan carnivore from one side of the spectrum to the other then um he gained popularity within like five months and he wrote his book within less than a year yeah <laughs> Which, which, by the way, okay, so he wrote that book, right, in less than a year, like you said, released it. I think it's been out for two years now, which, by the way, I went to, uh, while well, on my travels, I stopped by a Barnes & Noble. You don't see those saw around. That. Yeah. I saw that. And I saw his book, and, and I was like, oh, let me check it out. So I opened it up, and of course it says, um, fruits have fructose, which is terrible for your liver. You know, all the same spiel of fruits are terrible, sugar is very bad. Uh, honey, by the way, you shouldn't have honey if you have metabolic problems, yada, 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 on and on and on. And then, of course, now he's like posting videos and pictures of like uh, literally a table, food of, uh, table full of fruits and honey, and he's eating like a can of honey a day or some shit like that, which is all fine, by the way. I just haven't <laughs> – yeah, it's just – but you and I have been seeing this issue of people making a statement – and then just like stepping over that statement and then just go into another statement. And it's like, well, hold on. Well, what happened to the other statement that you said? Like, do you want to talk about it? You want to address it? And yes, he has kind of addressed it where he says, well, I'm eating sugar. I'm eating rice now. Does that bother you? It was kind of, in, it's kind of in this, right? In this passive aggressive kind of way. <laughs> it, it's, it was also in a way that sounded exactly like Ray Pete. That's the qualms I have with this. I don't care if this guy went from carnivore to started eating fruits, whatever he wants to say. It's the fact that he talked about it in such a similar manner to what Ray Pete discusses. He said he started with, I started feeling cold, my SHBG levels rose, my testosterone dropped. And so I decided to, you know what, let me just incorporate some fruits. Why fruits? Why not carbohydrates like uh, starches why fruit specific? <laughs> that's right there so that that kind of segues into repeat then he said yes and he got warm and his body temperature went up and right away i'm thinking well that kind of sounds like what danny roddy talks about with checking your body temperature right as a mean as a proxy for a thyroid function right then he was like well i went and got my thyroid levels checked and they're all good and after that point it was like everything opened up he started talking about fish oil oxidation. He started uh-huh. talking about the poof oxidation with uh, what's the other guy's name that he's very uh, close with. Man, I forgot his name. Um, he, him, him, Kate Shen, Shen Han, I think is what the doctor's name is. Mm. Um, and Paul Saladino mm-hmm. were all ganging up on the poof idea, discussing mm-hmm. about oxidation and what it causes, like byproducts, like aldehydes. 
And then from there, he starts talking about nitric oxide most recently and its association <laughs> with insulin resistance. Yes. Bro, if that doesn't shout rate P, I don't know what does. Yes. And I don't want to call anybody out to that doesn't, you know, isn't here right now. And, and well, except Paul Salino. But, <laughs> but let's say a very, very popular member of the rate P community has told me that uh, Paul has actually mess has has messaged and asked about those sort of things and commented about those repeat videos right that some some are made by danny some are just those like old school clips from like repeat being on the radio shows and all that stuff yeah right so we know for sure he's aware of the guy okay and he's read his work i'm sure and and you know the whole plagiarism issue is one issue and we can talk about it you know it's more so what's happening now that you know i want to talk to you about it because we're having, like I said, he's he's the the has been kind of the face of that. Where Sean Baker at least doesn't annoy me because Sean Baker, here's Sean Baker, uh, eat steak, lift weights. Like I'm fine with that. Same same thing over. But and I'm over. fine with that. Like he's not saying, yeah. uh, he's not saying like some of those early carnivore dumb things, right? Like if you only eat steak, doesn't matter how many calories you'll eat, you won't get fat. Like he's not saying any mm-hmm. of those things. You know what I'm saying? Where that are just like you're like hmm. Like he he's just saying eat steak, it'll cure you. That's fine. He's not really specifying it, and lift weights, and that's it. He's doing his thing. He's yes, not being. Yes. He's not an annoying asshole about it, right? And then. Paul is the response, like I said, to that vegan era of dieting and where he's now talking that we shouldn't eat mushrooms. We shouldn't eat garlic. You shouldn't eat onions. Potatoes. You shouldn't eat potatoes. You shouldn't eat on and on and on and on and on. And then he should just – he has this like pyramid diet now, right, of like it's just animal-based, which is still funny, hilarious to me that it's called animal-based. You know, it's called animal-based – but then you eat fruits uh, for breakfast with the bananas fun- and papaya. And so it's like, why isn't it fruit-based? The funny <laughs> thing about his, his uh, how he describes an animal-based diet is that it's evolutionary consistent, right? <laughs> and let's, let's assume that it is. One of the things that you would not find an evolutionary consistent diet maybe 10,000, 20,000 years ago is a fully functional papaya or banana without seeds in it. Bro, where do you find how wasn't there such a, a huge artificial selection that yes. humans made that took what tens of thousands of years to get the actual what is that? Um Kavanaugh banana, the banana we have now, which is so dramatically Long different from the banana. And, and, and is most and it's you can eat the whole thing, whereas before the bananas used to have seeds and they were like short, right? And they were really weird and they didn't quite ripen the same way. They were, they were a lot more similar to platanos, but still platanos also just are pure starch, right? They don't have any of the seeds inside. So, well, yeah, let's, you know, let's, let's chat about that. I made a post about it too, where there's a picture from uh, the 1600s by Stanchi, this Italian Renaissance painter. And he painted um, a watermelon and and some other fruits. And if you look at this fucking watermelon, it looks nothing. I mean, yeah, it's, it's circular and and you know, you could I guess you could pick out that it's a watermelon, but it's but it doesn't look like what what we know of today as a watermelon. If you saw that at a grocery store today, you mm-hmm. wouldn't eat that. You'd think that's a terrible looking watermelon. And so, you know, this whole idea of fruits like uh watermelon and papaya and these beautiful uh, sweet delicious uh, um bananas being ancestrally consistent like, are it's they really the ancestrally no. consistent? And how far ancestrally are we talking, by the way? That's another thing. It's like, ancestrally how? Like, a thousand years? Two thousand? Like, 
500,000 years? Like how many years are we talking about? What is ancestors? So the banana now, which I know because I did a post on it probably three years ago, I just don't remember the name of the banana specifically, something like Kavanaugh banana, but the banana now is probably 50 to close to 70 years old. That's it. 50 to 70. Let's say, let's round it up. Let's say it's a hundred. People don't, don't think ancestors, right? When they say that word, they think, um, paleo man, right? Exactly. Oh, man. Yeah, bro, it, it does not fall on an ancestrally consistent diet. And even if it did, the idea of it being ancestrally consistent would actually be counterproductive to his argument because these fruits back then didn't have the same fructose concentration that they do now. They didn't have the same medicinal properties that they do now. Fruits now are mainly just sugar. Fruits then had compounds like the flavonoids we associate with beneficial effects, um, quercetin, whatever it may be in such a higher concentration that it would be totally against his argument in re- regards to like fr- uh, vegetables are bad because they contain the same flavonoids and um, glyco- glucosinolates, all these different plant compounds would have been present in those fruits that were evolutionary consistent. So his entire argument about being evolutionary, evolutionary consistent is not only counterintuitive to what he's stating, it's just plain wrong. Like it doesn't match up. Mm-hmm. So that's that's the thing about fruits. Uh, vegetables the same, right? A lot of the vegetables that we had a hundred years ago not the same. Were not the same. I had um, growing up, you know, my grandma had wild blueberries growing in there, like kind of. They lived in like a in Russia we call it a dacha, like an outhouse, whatever farmhouse, and they're like tiny, and and they're not quite sour, but I guess you would say tart. Yeah, they don't, they don't look like the yeah. fucking blueberries we. We, although I'm pretty sure he's like anti blueberries too, right? Because berries have seeds, and so whatever the point. <laughs> so mm-hmm. the point is, right? It's like all these things which we have in our in our market today. It's not even if it's organic, right? Even if it's grown in the best. I mean, is there anything like that you're aware of, bro, that has been around for for centuries, say, and it has looked the same and hasn't changed much in the you know in in, in a long time, like. I don't know, man. You For know. centuries? Yeah, there's a couple, and it's the one that he bashes, like the brassica family, vegetables, potatoes, mm-hmm. and garlic. Literally. <laughs> so, you know, and again, now you have potatoes that are huge, and all, all sorts of potatoes. Also, also, what region of ancestrally consistent people are we talking about? Are we talking about Peru? Have you ever seen how many potatoes they have in Peru? How many varieties Quinoa of potatoes? as well. Yeah, like... They have like literally over, I don't remember, but it's an, an astounding amount. We In America, and Russia too, and probably Brazil is probably, well, Brazil has a lot more variety with fruits and veggies. I mean, that's what that's why I would love to go there one day too, by the way. Um, but, you know, like in America, you have like white potato and like russet potato and like yeah. what? Red, red potato. Red pot- oh, sweet potato. Okay, sweet potato. Yeah. But that's it. There's not, but right, yeah. you go to per- a place like Peru. And they have like fucking billion different potatoes. And so when you say potato, it's like, which potato are we talking about? Right. And which one is the ancestrally consistent one, the correct one? And, you know? Yeah. (laughs) So this guy really talks on a surface level about um, ancestrally consistent foods. He doesn't also discuss something that's really important. It's the people that grew up on those foods. There's mitochondria haplotypes, which play a huge role in regards to what what foods are – evolutionary consistent and also helpful for those people. If you take somebody from Africa that grew up eating a lot of grains, very little meat, maybe some dairy products, depending on what um, culture you decide to use, like the Maasai, 
and then you compare it to somebody from the Middle East or Asia, they're totally different diets. Mm -hmm. Asian people will consume a lot more vegetables. In fact, Vietnam, the reason why Vietnamese people consume a lot of vegetables is because that's literally all they could grow after the Vietnamese war. And that made a, a substantial impact on their um, gut microbiome diversity, the foods they're able to break down and digest, versus somebody like in Africa, once again, that might be totally different. And that comes down or can be traced back via mitochondrial haplotypes. You can literally find out based on somebody's mitochondrial DNA what foods may be helpful for them or not. Mm. If he were to put that context into his, um, his dietary perspective, a lot of the foods that he excludes would actually be have to be inclusive depending mm -hmm. on the population you decided to, to study. Mm -hmm. He decided to study the Irish, way more potato consumption. Right there and then, this proves his entire argument about potatoes <laughs> being bullshit. <laughs> okay. So you do think that there is such a thing as, you know, genetic, whatever you want to call, you know, genetic is just the word we use, right? There's um, an adaptation that happens in... That's it. It's an adaptation. Adaptation that happens in people, of, that has happened and yeah. will continue happening, right? Because we still eat different diets and different parts Exactly. Of Although, exactly. yeah, like a lot of them are starting to become a lot more similar to each other, right? Like, you know, they have... 7-Eleven in, in Japan now, you know, or what, but you know what I'm saying, right? There, a lot of foods are, are starting to spread across the world a lot more, but there's still a big variety, right? If you go to India, the shit they eat there, it's like so different than from the foods that, you know, exactly. white people eat here. So you think that those adaptations over, over time, over evolution, whatever you want to call it, has happened in people. So, it, it, so there's really no one ancestrally consistent food <laughs> or food go. group or That's, okay right. <laughs> the further down the rabbit hole you go with uh gen genome-wide associations the further you realize that any food can be considered beneficial if the organism or the individual is able to break it down utilize the fuel substrates and not have any issues digestively neurologically physiologically in general so yeah it and we're I mean, even nowadays, we're consuming so much more fatty acid, carbohydrate uh, combination of foods that some genotypic changes have occurred. Like people are not the same as they were 50 years ago. So mm. there's no one size fits all diet, no real evolutionary consistent diet. The argument that this guy's making basically falls on the spectrum of toxicology, like plant versus fruits versus grains and the toxins that they carry. And what effects they have on people. Mm -hmm. That's literally his what his argument's foundation is. Okay. And that's also shaky. So let's let's pick that apart and talk about that. So I will give you like uh, his side of the story, right? And a lot of it's not just him. Like I said, there's that, that um, Gundry guy. Gundry, you know what I'm talking yeah, about? Yeah, with the lectins. Yeah, yeah, the guy that wears his fucking like purple colored glasses, like these weird fucking outfits mm -hmm. that he has. Like he's like a preacher in like a black church or something. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> like you know, he looks he dresses so strange. It's just really weird to me. Like, why are you dressed like? Anyway, yeah, that yeah. guy doesn't say right. He talks about things like, because again, and also. I've met so many people. I've literally had a conversation once with somebody. They go, but it has so many lectins in it. And I go, right. what's, and I go, and I go what's a lectin? And they, and go, they don't know what an, it is. It's an anti-nutrient. What, what the fuck does that mean? What's an anti-nutrient? Right. Um, you know, things that's not found in meat. And it's, okay, okay, what is, and I, you know, okay, so I want to break that down with you because you're a guy that knows his chemistry. You know what's yeah. up. So uh, we have these groups. Is there like a, you know an umbrella of, of, of different you know? Could you group them for us? Like because the big big words you currently hear is oxalates, lectins, 
um, what's the shit in um, uh, mushrooms? Remind uh, me. Um, oh, the ergots, ergot alkaloids. Yeah, is it ergothionine? Yeah, ergothionine is, is, I think it's an amino that's a acid version. One. A lot of people say it's a beneficial one, which is why they take uh, mushroom It's basically like all of the compounds that you find in a human body, if you put the word ergo in front of it, it's mushroom now. Uh-huh. So you have ergosterol, which is just cholesterol of the fungus, um, mm-hmm. ergo, ergoamines, which are basically fungal versions of amines. So there's different versions in different uh, organisms, but they have overlap. Like mm-hmm. cholesterol, once again, overlaps with fungal cholesterol. Vitamin D3 overlaps with fungal vitamin D2. So mm-hmm. it's so like, give or take. Is there a big – okay, anti-nutrients. What is an anti-nutrient? Is it a one thing? Is it a protein? Is it a, is it a carb? Right. What are these things? Well, you can consider anything an anti-nutrient if it basically blocks some nutrients absorption. So it doesn't have to be one specific group of compounds. Like flavonoids is one of the main ones they discuss as anti-nutrients because it binds to iron. Flavonoids have a lot of what's called hydroxyl groups on the outside of the compound, which is basically water. And it'll react with the iron and make a complex. And it prevents the iron from being absorbed if it does that. But you can have something like pure glucose that has hydroxyl groups interacting with iron and preventing its absorption. Is glucose now considered a Mm anti-nutrient? Like it's so context dependent on the organism's ability to digest and break down some of these compounds. And then the interactions with some of the other enzymes present in those organisms. And then you could even take it further and consider the gut microbiome of all of those organisms, which play a huge role in some mm-hmm. of these compounds. Like, I got to give it to vegans. Vegans consume a lot of plant products, and any detrimental plant product, most of the, the compounds in plants that could be detrimental, they don't have an issue with, probably because they have a higher amount of fermentation microorganisms that break down those, those plant molecules into beneficial compounds. Like, I've read reports of... Uh, vegans that have a distinct gut microbiome composition that produces all of the essential amino acids, you know, the ones that we need for meat and so on. And mm-hmm. so they don't need it from these sources of meat. They can just make it themselves from uh, helping bring in fiber, the, the bacteria produce it, and they absorb it. The mm-hmm. extent to which they absorb it, I'm not quite sure. But so the gut microbiome plays a role. The ability for the body to break down these compounds play a role. And then the interaction between these compounds with other components play a role. And as such, you can't ever classify one thing as an anti-nutrient broadly in all categories. Oxalates, oxalic acid may be an anti-nutrient to some. It may actually be beneficial to others. Maybe Mm -hmm. a a pro-crystallization calcium deposit issue to some. And to others, it could actually act as an antifungal. And so Mm -hmm. there's no way to know for sure unless you know the patient's context. Mm -hmm. And there's... And uh, what about alkaloids, you know, when you say mm-hmm. that word alkaloid? So alkaloids, uh, it comes basically from the fact that they are able to increase the alkalinity of a solution. Mm-hmm. And alkaloids fall into various different compounds, but they're usually cyclic. Alkaloids themselves can have some really nasty effects on DNA. They were called alkylating agents. So if you had a double strain of DNA and it was just running straight this way, an alkylating agent would be something that kind of binds to DNA and extends it. And so it manipulates DNA in a way that's not good. You can't have gene effects. You'll have mutations happening. You can have carcinogenesis happening. And we see that even with some of the uh, organisms that do break down plants, like ruminants. So it can be very detrimental to some. 
Now, it falls on a spectrum because if you have just a low amount of alkaloids in plants and fruits and vegetables, which you can't get away from, mm -hmm. it's literally in every food, including honey. Mm -hmm. um, yes, <laughs> which so, I wanted to bring up, right? So it's like, so it's the stuff that's found in, in literally, everything, literally everything, right? Uh, is it found in, in meat? Is it found in uh, animal meat, stuff like that? Or is that a whole different category? It's a different category. It, you'll find more heterocyclic amines. Or what that basically means is like, amino acids that form rings mm -hmm. or have uh, nitrogen in the ring. And so they can be carcinogenic as well. But that's that's something else. But yeah, okay. you can have some alkaloids from what the, the animal was consuming before. Just like with honey, I think the one is called pyrolizidine. Yes, pyrolizidine alkaloids. alkaloids. And they're found in, in herbal teas very, very right. commonly because teas you know, is still a big industry. So they measure those uh, quite uh, often. And it's found in honey. So... And he's so supportive Mr. of honey. Mr. Saladino eats a lot of honey. So in right. his whole thing, it's like, don't eat anti-nutrients, right? Because you want to stay away from those. And th um, this is like, if you consider in a spectrum of alkaloids, how bad one can be, like I said, depends on the dose, depends on what kind. Pyrolizidine alkaloids are really bad. And so if he's consuming honey all the time that he has no idea if the bees were taking nectar from plants that contain these alkaloids mm -hmm. and bringing it back, making the honey, and the honey has these alkaloids, and he's telling everybody, consume honey because it's ancestrally consistent. Mm -hmm. There's no detrimental compounds. And then you find out that there's alkaloids in there. It's like his entire argument breaks down. It's the same alkaloids <laughs> in the honey as it is in the plants he says not to consume. <laughs> so either he comes forward and says, guys, honey, it's bullshit. <laughs> or the argument falls apart. <laughs> Okay, <laughs> so it seems to me like um, there's anti-nutrients in everything, huh? And so it's kind of difficult to find the perfect food, which is what he's searching for. Because the, the whole it's a, it's a it's a philosophy, right? That he's trying to sell to you. People don't understand it. They think that it's you know. Right. And um, so obviously, first of all, to point out, obviously there's not enough of these anti-nutrients or alkaloids or whatever in any of these foods to fucking kill you on the spot, right? Mm -hmm. And Nowhere so near. All, all this stuff where the people, you know, say it's carcinogenic or it, it it could potentially whatever affect this affect that. These are like, you know, studies that you're you're doing that in a petri dish, right? This is what you, that's how that's how they're measured. No. Yeah, mo most I would say eighty percent, if I had to estimate, would be yeah on a petri dish, mm -hmm. and then some of the other ones like ten percent extra, so ninety ninety five you're looking at in total would be on animals like mice. Now he loves to cite studies to support his argument regarding this with my studies. Mm -hmm. And I don't have a problem with that, but the thing you have to take into consideration is that mice have a hyperactive response to some of these compounds because they have different uh, genetic, genetic differences from us. For example, their telomeres are longer, and so they tend to have a hyper response to some of these alkaloids. And it can make it look like these alkaloids are so bad that mm -hmm. if you translate it to a human study, you would see the same thing. Mm -hmm. Well, mm -hmm. what do you know? You don't see that really. And one of the reasons why as well is because humans have different CYP enzymes, cytochrome P450 enzymes, that are able to metabolize and negate the effects of some of these alkaloids, even if you were to consume it in a large amount. So mm -hmm. yeah, it's, it's so dependent on the person, it's so dependent on the food, but more often than not, you're not going to consume something that has such a high level of alkaloids that it's going to cause you to either have some huge digest, digestive issue or flat out die. Like you just don't hear of somebody dying from alkaloid poisoning. Mm -hmm. It's very rare. Yeah. Um, so it, 
it, it it's sort of like that um it's toxicology, right? It's sort of like that water thing. You know, water's good, so drink more water. Okay, so I can give you a gallon of water. You'll drink, yeah. you'll feel a little nauseous, and then I'll give you another. You know that you can kill somebody with water. With water. So does that mean don't drink water? Right. N- no, don't. It just means that. The, so there's it a falls in a spectrum. Right. There's a spectrum, and the dose makes the difference. It really does make a difference. Yeah. Okay. So, and then you you want, also brought up to me um, alkaloids found in um, disease called ergotism or what is it called yeah, in the er- development. Ergotism. So I'm curious about what you what you wanted to tell me about that. Yeah, so grains tend to have fungal infections pretty easily, and mycotoxin or mycotoxicosis, where basically fungal metabolites that are just not good for you, are found in higher concentration in grains like oats, uh, rye, wheat, and so on. So a lot of the issues that many people have with grains may just be related to the mycotoxins. If they can't metabolize it, their gut microbiome composition is one that isn't supportive of breaking those down and so on. But at the same time, it's thanks to some of these alkaloids found in funguses and mycotoxins that we came up with something like LSD. Because back in the 1600s, there was an outbreak of ergotism somewhere in Europe. I just don't remember where. And they thought that there was a... Um, demonic possession in the entire city because they consumed bread that had this ergot alkaloid. Mm. Mm-hmm. The ergot alkaloid was very similar to LSD, and so it caused them to have hallucinogenic experiences, and they <laughs> felt like they were demonically possessed. Mm. A couple centuries later, the guy that worked on synthesizing LSD makes it from an ergot alkaloid, and it is now you have other derivatives like bromocryptine in the Ray Peat sphere, sphere that use bromocryptine for reducing serotonin. It's mm-hmm. an alkaloid. It's literally derived from the same fungus that caused that, that demonic possession issue mm-hmm. in the 1600s. But that can be used medicinally to lower serotonin, improve dopamine. And so something as simple as ergotism and the disease associated with ergotism can be broken down into something beneficial like the use of bromocryptine from ergot alkaloids. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, okay, so I want to point that out, right? So it seems like a lot of these alkaloids, anti-nutrients, have been used medicinally, traditionally. That's the thing. And they still are, right? Uh, berberine, right? That's yep. an alkaloid, right? That's an an- that could be considered an anti-nutrient. Am I right? Or mm-hmm. am I, You're yeah? absolutely right. Okay, and a lot of people take that shit, right? Yeah. And a lot of these other, you know, uh, supplements. So besides... So, so again, the the dose makes the difference, right? So maybe a lot of this alkaloid or anti-nutrient could potentially have a bad effect on you, but it also can be used medicinally. It's sort of like an antibiotic, right? If you take too many antibiotics, um, it's probably not good for you. You're going to destroy yeah. your whole fucking gut flora. But if you take a little bit of it, it could be very beneficial and for some people, literally life-changing, right? Or if you're life-threatened, it could literally save your life, right? But if you take, if you keep taking it, just massive amounts of it, you could probably kill yourself eventually, huh? Yeah, exactly. That's, that's literally how people should see this is if they have a sensitivity to something that has alkaloids like potatoes and glycoalkaloids is the issue in potatoes, then maybe you should try something else like rice. There's no alkaloids, and you can still consume starch. Mm-hmm. If you have a problem with rice, then maybe the issue isn't the alkaloids in the first place. Maybe it's your gut biome, and mm-hmm. you just can't break down certain disaccharides. Mm-hmm. If you find out that's not the case, um, well, do you have enough stomach acid being produced? Do you have enough bile being produced? Mm-hmm. Like These issues can go 
far, far further down the physiological road that Paul Saladino has never considered. All he focuses on is the nutrients and if they're good or bad and why that may be because of whatever study he decides to pull. Once again, like you mentioned, falls on a spectrum because of the dose. Some, some are even, there's different kinds of toxicological responses. You have linear responses, you have undulating responses where mm-hmm. in a very small dose you have a really bad response and then you increase the dose a little bit and it kind of falls and there's yeah. no response anymore. Mm-hmm. So it also depends on that, depends on the person's biome composition, depends on the person's genetics, the person's enzyme capability, so many things to consider that nobody will actually take the time to do so because it'll take way too much time. Mm-hmm. And another consideration is like, uh, what you pointed out, maybe currently you're having a tough time digesting this food or these types of foods, and maybe over time uh, you'll be able to fix that or improve that, or, or 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 maybe not. But you can't just blank statement say that, right? It's sort of like the Danny Roddy issue, right? Of Danny not being able to drink milk for however many years, uh, well, well, not drinking milk, and then when he first yeah, tried yeah. drinking drinking milk, he said he was having diarrhea for just months at a time. And then he took some antibiotics, uh, improved his gut uh, motility, and lo and behold, now he drinks <laughs> the required three, three whatever liters of milk or whatever the fuck it is, <laughs> and no problem, right? So just because you've had an issue, just because your eczema uh, acted up because maybe you were having a salad uh, two years ago, does not necessarily mean that it could be still going on today. Maybe that issue has gone away, or maybe not. But it's very difficult to, to say that, right? So, oh, it's the alkaloids. Right. It's this one tiny little particle in this food. Out of how exactly. many, by the way, is there other stuff in food? H- how many, like, alkaloids or anti-nutrients are in a, in a radish? You know what I'm saying? It's, it's, it's not just that stuff. It's not just those few things. Am I right? Isn't it like thousands? <laughs> All right. So th- this comes from another paper I sent to you. But so when you measure... Uh, plant compounds, you do it through a method called liquid chromatography mass spectrometry. And basically what it's able to do is separate compounds so finely detailed that you can get a graph of different compounds based on different atomic functional groups. And what you generate from one fruit or vegetable is about 50 to 200,000 or more different (laughs) compounds from that fruit or vegetable. So 50 to 200 compounds are found. 200,000, sorry. Oh, I think you said 200. Okay, so so there's 50 to 200,000 different compounds found in things like fruits and vegetables. Vegetables. And and so if you point to one and say oxalates, uh, that's the one that's making you sick, how the fuck do you know? Why did that become, by the way, why is that the thing that people just started picking on lectins and oxalates. Is it because they're just so easy to identify or are they so abundant? Or Right. So even though you have these 50,000 to 200,000 different compounds or more, there are some that have a greater physiological effect. Oxalates can be one of them. Lectins can be one of them. Mm-hmm. But it's also dependent on the patient. So some patients, the oxalic is what's known as an acid, like any other acetic acid, vinegar. It's literally about the same thing. So when you take acetic acid or you take oxalic acid or whatever your body produces some your gut microbiome produces some it can react with calcium and form crystals Mm -hmm. just like uric acid reacts and forms crystals and if it deposits anywhere it can be an issue usually it'll deposit in the kidneys and so people that have high uric acid or oxalic acid have calcification and gout but the thing is that's also dependent on a couple of other factors like is the patient already overweight 
is the patient already insulin resistant? Mm. Does the patient not take care of, does, do they smoke? Do they drink alcohol? And so their liver is not doing too well. Their kidneys are already not functioning well. Mm -hmm. And the oxalic acid becomes an even greater issue. Are they overworked? Are they overstressed? Mm -hmm. So yes, some compounds have a greater physiological response, but again, in what context? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's sort of like that uh, thing with vegans that happens, right? The, the people that are ex-vegan that haven't eaten quality protein in a long time right and then they start eating because i'm seeing a lot of those right now online uh the ex-vegan types that are f like going fuck vegetables <laughs> i'm tired yeah. i'm eating yeah, for yeah. 10 years they start eating meat and now they're full carnivore there's there's a lot of those people a lot of them follow me they yep. talk with me often and so i think the same thing is happening there right it's like because they haven't eaten the quality protein in a long time they start eating this protein and then they're like oh my god this is all we need. All that other stuff is useless. And it's because they feel so much better. So they're having this probably initial response of like, oh my God, your body's like soaking up the protein. It's loving it. And so it's very easy to just, you know, be, mm -hmm. be black mm -hmm. and white, right? Now, okay, I don't know what yeah. I was doing. Those vegetables are useless. Fruits are useless. It's just right. all about meat and eggs and carnivore lifestyle. And then they will promote the idea that Paul puts out about vegetables and whatever being detrimental to you because they have that experience, but they don't consider the fact that maybe they were just consuming so much that they just mm -hmm. ruined their health. And nothing and else too, right? Exactly. That's another thing to point out. Nothing else. They were just consuming vegetables, right? Just vegan or, stuff. Yeah, and then they're yeah, also consuming stuff. shitty repli replacement foods, right? Like uh, whatever, mm -hmm. the fake meats, the Beyond Burger stuff, which has a lot of, by the way, those oxalates and all that kind mm -hmm. of shit. But in probably in higher amounts than, uh, you know, that's another thing right. to point out, right? That stuff has a lot more of those, uh, you know, anti-nutrient um, compounds than uh, a piece of lettuce. Like 100 for sure, right? Because that stuff yeah. is so processed. They put a bunch of stuff to hold it together. And there's like, I'm sure there's some good stuff in there too, of course. But right. it, it's not the same as eating, you know, a, a piece of lettuce <laughs> or, yeah. or a broccoli. Yeah, and you know it because you feel so different when you consume. I mean, I've never tried the Beyond Meat stuff, and I never will. But <laughs> like, it's yeah. obvious the fillers, the preservatives. The more gunk you put in there, the less it really is like food, and the more it's like a, I don't know, like a, um, like some of the stuff that I use in lab to just make buffers. It literally kind of looks like that, or has mm -hmm. the same consistency. So, to me, if you can just eat normal food and use, consume the foods that you don't have an issue with, then you'll be fine. If you have an issue with a food and you wanna introduce that food back into your diet, you can't because of whatever reason, then you should look into the reasons why. Is it really just these alkaloids or these anti-nutrients? One of the things that I always consider is, if you wanna talk about evolutionary consistency, why isn't that about 100 to 70 years ago, nobody had an issue with digesting foods like gluten or lectins or anything really and like they were all eaten because that, that's all that was available there was exactly. no there was no fucking papayas at whole foods that are organic right. from right. hawaii <laughs> right <laughs> everybody was eating bread because there was nothing else everybody was eating potatoes they never had an issue if you were in latin america everybody to everybody this eating. day eats uh frijoles rice, right? and beans. rice and beans right i mean that's just exactly. a fact you just can't, you, right? Yeah. It's a fact. Okay, so then, so then you get into the issue of like, okay, well, but you know, this, uh, you get to the philosophical issue to the heart of the matter, which is I think people are looking for that, uh, 
secret diet, right? That's going to make them live forever because there's this substrata of people that didn't eat lectins or oxalates or the nightshade family and they live mm-hmm. to 150. And here's the thing. They don't fucking exist. And if you want to try it out, I think that's fine. Do your thing. I'm all for people trying stuff. But it's very it's it's a hard sell for me right now, right? To to say that yeah, like, man. oh well, you know, okay, well, you, maybe maybe we are right, but still, I want to try to reduce the amount of bad stuff I consume in my food. So, you know, yeah. so maybe that's what people are thinking, because because there are people that are smarter about this stuff than Paul Saladino, <laughs> and that's what they're thinking. They're thinking, okay, I'm going to be the human experiment, like Dave Asprey, who said he's going to uh, live to 160, who looks like shit, by the way. <laughs> he's looking, he's looking pretty old now. <laughs> Which is fine, by the way. I don't need you, to, you know. But it's just funny what people say, right? And how they yeah. look. <laughs> the funniest, the funniest thing about this anti-aging stuff, right? And doing it all, doing everything to such an extent that it basically ruins your ability to have a normal life, so that you can live longer with this abnormal life, mm-hmm. is the fact that most of anti-aging research has been flipped on its head. My professor is somebody huge. hugely interested in anti-aging. He published paper all about anti-aging. And he started with looking into the ketogenic diet with um, earthworms and what the effects are on lifespan and mice. And he's come around to the conclusion that glucose is such an important nutrient to maintain health as you age and to prevent the Mm. quicker quicker onset of aging that you might not want to exclude glucose from your diet. Look at that. Yeah, yeah. So it seems like we're getting deeper and deeper, right? It's like at first it was the diet of uh, maybe not eating certain foods, and then it was just excluding macronutrients, right? And now mm-hmm. we're getting to the micronutrients. Now we're getting into the fucking alkaloids with Paul right, Saladino. The metabolites and. And we just the thing. The truth of the matter is, right? We just haven't had that experiment happen in life anywhere, right? There's no culture on Earth that was like, oh, we didn't eat. You know, yeah, there's different varieties, right? There's, you know, the Hadza that consume right. meat. And by the way, a lot of the other shit that the tourists bring them. And... Exactly. And they smoke tobacco. <laughs> and they, they smoke, smoke tobacco. And it's like, how the fuck can you point to this one thing? You know, it, it's, it's, I, I want to listen. Cause the thing is, I want to genuinely, I want to like have like, oh my God, I know these people, they live to 99, all of them, all of them. They don't eat potatoes. And that's why they're living to 99. But, but it's it, never the case. But it's never the case. <laughs> yeah. Man, from, from the data and information on like blue zones and the longest lived people, it's so heterogeneous that you can't actually point to a one specific thing or even like a concept like diet being the one thing. In fact, I think most of the reason for why these people live so long has more to do with community and reduction of stress than mm. anything else which Danny has been on the ball mm-hmm. regarding this topic since long ago, long mm-hmm. before I even knew about this stuff. So if it's stress that's causing rapid aging, what are the, the things that induce stress? Well, maybe worrying about every goddamn food that has an <laughs> anti-nutrient. Yes, which is why I, I love that you said that. Yeah, bro, which is exactly what I wanted to 
to tell people. I want the message that I, you know, hope people understand. Yeah, because yeah. I've talked about this multiple times on my podcast. It's like I've been to, you know, breakfast and dinners, whatever, with people that are like, are these eggs free range? And it's like, shut the fuck up, Karen. Just eat <laughs> the fucking egg, right? It's just, just eat the eggs. Yeah, no, it's not free range. Yes, they were fed, yeah. they were fed soy and corn. But, like, hang out with me. Like, enjoy my company. Like, I guarantee you will feel better spending some time with, with your loved one or your good friend and having a good time and eating some crappy food. I guarantee you'll feel better doing that than uh, having your perfect organic pasture-raised eggs. Exactly. And, 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 but having a shitty day or not having anybody around you and just being sad about it. Yep. You will feel that, better. Yeah. That reminds me of that World War II veteran guy who smoked to a, a cigar and drank, what, a glass of whiskey yeah, a yeah. day? Black guy, and, I think, right? He lived, yeah, he lived to, what, 100-something, 115, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, he was up there. He was up there. Uh, Obama gave him a, a medal of some sort. I don't remember, but yeah. yeah. And he was yeah. eating ice cream, too. He was eating ice cream, and he, he was, yeah, it was just nothing special. Oh, soup? He was a big chicken camel soup. <laughs> just, again, it's like these foods, you're like, how the fuck? But, you know, I did raise on to something that, man, with the ice cream. <laughs> hey, I mean, dude. Again, that's another food, right? Like, dude, uh, when I feel... <laughs> Not even only when I feel stressed. Look, I'll go and have some ice cream. I'll go to like a cool new ice cream spot. And yeah, like I try to find like the, you know, the the shops. In LA, there's plenty of them that use like, you know, organic grass milk yeah. and whatnot. So they're all pretty high quality standard ones. Um, and I'll go have some ice cream in a nice waffle cone that was just baked right there or whatever. And it's like, I feel great. I feel yeah. good. I feel yeah. happy. I mean, yeah. it, that is something. People really forget that it. It's not doesn't mean it doesn't not mean anything. It means something that you feel good after eating a food. It doesn't matter if it has the oxalates. Oh, it has the extra sugar or whatever. Too many calories and yada yada yada. Right. Yeah. If like, like I always say, if you feel bad for food, there's probably something going on with you that you need to address first, and not the food. Because if you're eating that food before and you never had any issues, something changed within you as a as a person. Maybe you're overstressed. Mm-hmm. Job is an issue not in a place you want to be in in life, whatever it is, those can have such dramatic effects on how you can um, metabolize different substances that if you never address it, you'll never know. Mm-hmm. If you're always stressed out, you'll never know. So I, I also want to talk about, um, you know, meat, okay, in okay. general, okay, because there's that whole big thing of he says, um, you can eat 99% of animals, but you can't eat I, I don't know. We only eat 1% of, I, I don't remember what the fucking percent that he gets, but you know that, that yeah, like certain, you can go, you can go to the woods and get a mushroom and it'll fucking kill you. Yeah, right, right, for sure. Right. Or give you poisoning or whatever. So most animals are edible and most plants are not actually, right? And which is, mm-hmm. you know, that's the, that's the whole philosophy. Okay. Okay. Are there anti-nutrients or let's, or, you know, things that are not beneficial, let's say in large amounts in meat? Yeah, there is. I mean, the most one of the most carcinogenic compounds that you form by cooking meats is acrolein. Acrolein, which people vegetarians were on about, by the way, years ago, and exactly. everybody just doesn't There's, talk about it anymore. They're not wrong. It's always a concern. But guess what happens when you consume acrolein-rich meat with some raw onions that are probably high in some of the compounds that, like that uh, Paul Saladino doesn't like, like organosulfur compounds. 
they neutralize the carcinogenic acrolein. And so mm -hmm. you don't have to worry about it inducing a carcinogenic effect. Fiber will chelate any kind of carcinogenic compounds out of the body. The mixture of the two foods are literally a perfect combination to neutralize most of the mutagenic or carcinogenic compounds in either one of the foods. It's always going to be an issue with any food that as you cook it, or even if it was raw, that there's always going to be some kind of compound that has a mutagenic or carcinogenic capacity or capability. Mm -hmm. Even if, if you eat it raw, just to point it exactly. out too, right? Because even if you that's another big fat thing right now of people eating it raw, the whole oogenous fonder planets. I don't know if yeah. you're a fan. I'm or, aware. Yeah, I'm aware. right. That's, I, that's big. I used to really listen to agonist stuff. I never really went mm. forward with it. I did the raw liver stuff, but it never made that much of a difference. Like no. I felt a little more, I don't know, awake mm -hmm. is what I would describe it as, but that's it. There's mm -hmm. never been a, a dramatic shift in my ability to exercise, function, mm -hmm. have neurological benefits, anything like that. Never been. You didn't the grow a thing. third eye? Your third eye didn't mm -hmm. open up? I wanted it to, man, but... <laughs> <laughs> but hey, like, man, I mean, you talk to these people and that's the way they make it seem, right? Like, like it makes that much of a difference in their yeah, life. When... Like what's that psychopath on YouTube? Uh, Svirige, the, the guy, the Swedish guy. You know, I mean, you fucking yeah. watch some of those guys' videos and you just yeah. think this guy, like, you know. Like I like he... him, though. He's honest. He's <laughs> well, honest. He, yeah, yeah, yeah. He said, no, like, that's, that's the same thing, you know, it's like with everybody. Nobody is, like, perfect or completely retarded. You know, there's... People, it's on a spectrum, you know, people share good stuff, but I'm just saying uh, he makes it seem that like if you eat this liver that's been sitting in a jar for six months, you're going to fucking, you're, you're going to be able to talk to angels. And that's not true. And that's not true. Because I've done the raw liver thing too, right? And it's like, first of all, I don't, I don't enjoy it. <laughs> Why are you laughing? <laughs> I'm just imagining him talk to angels. Talk to mm -hmm. angels. Is that a song by Trey back in the day? <laughs> I don't know. Anyway. But yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. So you haven't had that experience, right? Like, again, yeah, because listen, I enjoy liver. I grew up with it in Russia. I enjoy it cooked mm -hmm. with some potatoes and some sour cream. I don't enjoy it raw. Can I eat it raw? Yes. Now, be honest now. Are you guys, not you, but, are, you know, are you guys doing that shit for the gram? Or are you doing it because you genuinely enjoy raw, like eating raw meat? I would bet to say that it's mostly due to do it for the gram. Because it looks cool. Because it's something new. Because again, we've done the vegan, we've done the vegetarian, we've done the paleo, we've done the carnivore. Like, there's not a lot of places left for you to get uh, attention, you know. And it's like, oh well, hi, I eat my meat raw, and it's like, fuck, you know. Because we've done mm -hmm. raw vegan, by the way. Remember? Because it was like vegan. I watched that evolve in LA, especially because I was here in the early days of all that. Like Raw Christina. Do you remember that girl? I don't know if you've. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I she do. still has a huge yeah. following. I'm pretty sure. She looks way older now. Well, yeah. I mean, the girl that says her eye color changed because of going vegan and whatnot. Mm -hmm. Anyway, I mean, I watched her evolve from like just being vegan and talking about how it was normal to lose your period and you're detoxing. Because she was one of those early OG YouTube video people. Um, and then to being raw. I think she might be still raw. Although, by the way, I don't believe it for a second. I think that she just eats other foods behind the scenes. I really genuinely don't think... She's honest That's about That's always eats. the case. It's always the case. Because if she was genuinely raw vegan, dude, I've seen people who are genuinely raw vegan. I, I've tried eating for days genuinely raw vegan. You got you to gotta be a cow to survive raw yeah. vegan for years. Like, seriously. I mean, yep. dude, you just can't absorb anything. You're eating, like, completely raw foods. Like, get out of here. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, okay so we talked about meat having anti-nutrients. How about fruit? 
the beneficial right. stuff, the stuff that's allowable, that's allowed on the Saladino diet, on the animal-based diet. Okay, we talked about honey. It has a uh, pyrozylidine, yeah. right? Pyrozylidine. Pyrozylidine. Mm-hmm. There we go. Which is found in tea and all, all sorts of stuff. Yeah. Okay. Um, do, do fruits have any of these alkaloids or anti-nutrients? Yeah, so I'm thinking of a paper specifically on the fruits consumed in Congo, so the, the country in Africa. And they, if, if it's not the fruits that are imported or the ones that are modernized, like a normal pineapple now or watermelon now, then they consume their native fruits. And one of the things that you notice about these native fruits is that they contain cyanogenic glycosides. Cyanogenic glycosides is basically glucose plus cyanide together. Mm-hmm. And so once you metabolize it, it releases cyanide. And it, guess what? It's an alkaloid that can also induce mitochondrial damage. In fact, cyanide is what kills uh, people because it interferes with mitochondrial respiration. So if native fruits have this capacity, another one is ackee from Jamaica. You know that fruit that if you eat it, you can die from Jamaica? Mm-hmm, A-C-K-E-E. It contains a compound called hypoglycine, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. And so these fruits that would be otherwise evolutionary consistent if Paul had no idea about and consumed them, he'd feel pretty shitty because it, it contains the same compounds that he discusses shouldn't be consumed like the mm-hmm. ones in vegetables. Mm-hmm. And it just adds more weight, in my opinion, to the fact that you can't generalize and say that fruits are evolutionary consistent, especially when you're consuming papayas that are just modernized and rich in fructose. Yes, when, yes. Once Which again, are not evolutionary consistent. And the reason that they have less of these compounds that are anti-nutrient, uh, give you the anti-nutrient effect, is because we bred them that way. We, us, like the recent people, not our ancestors. Papayas haven't been around for that exactly. long. I mean, exactly. fuck, fuck if I know. Maybe they were a thousand, but they. I'm sure they haven't looked the same that they look now, right? right. And they I were. mean, even... <laughs> Even now with the, the the fruits in Congo, it's a native fruits now contain those same cyanogenic glycosides that you do not want to consume from vegetables or that he would say don't consume this vegetable because it has cyanogenic glycosides. So if even now these fruits contain some of these compounds, how accurate is his I, his philosophy in general? I reckon it's not very accurate. It's actually very premature. <laughs> okay. Um so it's like a teeter-totter effect, right? It's like there's no bad, there's no good, there's bad and good. That, you know, like to get yeah. Taoist on you, I guess, right? There's yeah, like, yeah. there's And there's bad in good and there's good in bad. The yeah. wu-wei, middle way, middle yes. path or something like you that. you know what I'm talking about, my man. <laughs> that it's like, yeah, you, you, you can't, there's sadly, I mean, okay, What's the closest thing that we know that doesn't have? Is it rice? I mean, is white rice is out? Because a lot of people do. Uh, no, no, it's not because it still contains heavy metals. Heavy, so right, the, aluminum, right? It's super. It depends yeah. on the soil. Yeah, and you can like, yeah, soak it in water and blah, blah, blah. But it's like you're not going to get rid of it 100%. You're just fucking not. Exactly. Some exactly. of it's going to get in your food, right? And then also how you're cooking it. Oh, you're cooking, even in stainless steel. Oh, yeah, okay. Stainless steel also chips. It, it all chips. I mean, not as bad as Teflon or whatever. But it all, there's yeah. like, there's nothing on this planet. And it's sad in some sense that it's that way because, you know, I think that's where vegans come from because they think that, you know, like, okay, if I just not eat meat, like things are safe. I'm not hurting anybody. But then, you know, that 
has been, you know, on social media at least has been kind of getting destroyed in the last couple of years, right? Of like farmers talking about how many pl- animals they got to kill in order mm-hmm. to farm beans or well, how, yeah. No, now vegans have a, another argument. They have a new thing? Is, What's that? It's called vegan organic farming practices where they basically don't monocrop. They so there's multi crops <laughs> in one area, which helps. It's great. That's what you should be doing. Uh-huh. But at the same time, you don't introduce some of the composting that are present when you have cows there. I mean, if if anybody would be well suited to discuss this, I think it's the the sisters. I forgot their names. Uh, strong sisters. Uh, yeah, strong sisters. Ooh, okay. I'll, I'll bring it up to them. I'll check. Yeah, but how do they grow food? Because you need some sort of uh, no idea. I you, barely, you, you need, barely write it. And also, it's like you have like mycorrhiza in the in the soil, and like that mm-hmm. that. Is a you know it's a what is it, is it a fungi? Fungal. Yeah, Fungal, it's a fungi, yeah. right? But that thing consumes uh, bugs and and little things that are in the dirt, living beings. Mm-hmm. So how how small you know it's like big killing like big cows that are cute, no good, don't kill them. Yeah, small yeah. things, it's okay. Like if they're yeah, killing exactly. each other, and I'm not seeing it, it's fine. So you know, <laughs> we're yeah, just right. it, it's like. Sadly, it's this thing of like there's nothing angelic and precious in this world where it's like, okay, this is the food that has only good nutrients. It seems like to me, right? Correct me if I'm wrong, but it's like this is the food. It has everything you need. You know, it's like that Soylent idea, right? It's like just drink Soylent. It has everything you need and nothing that you don't need and you're good. So with, with in Paul Saladino's world, that's meat. Just eat meat. But then, oh, he found out like, oh, well, shit. I can't function without carbohydrates. I don't feel good. My thyroid goes to shit. I get cold, which Danny, by the way, you know, pointed out to him, and we wanted to have a discussion with him very early right, on. Right, so very early that on in his, too. Yeah, I remember Danny making a video that he discussed with Paul, and Paul wasn't very happy in the way he came forward yeah. regarding this. And then he goes and makes a video a couple months later about how his thyroid wasn't functioning, so he introduced <laughs> fruits. Bro, where do you like? He thinks we're fools. Like we know you got it from Danny. Why don't you just give some credit? That's the issue. That's the issue at hand. It's not him changing his mind. It's not him introducing foods. Yes. It's not him being wrong about anything. It's give credit where it's due. We know you're plagiarizing. Yes, yes, and and because if you're gonna plagiarize, you got to plagiarize well, and he's not. <laughs> Right, because like you said, there's so many holes in this in this thing where it's like, mm, well, what about that? What about that? At least you know, if at least if it's an honest, unique idea, maybe if it was his idea didn't seem like somebody else already said that, it would be like, oh, okay, Paul. Well, how about this? Mm-hmm. Right, mm-hmm. and then you could point it out. But it's uh, it's obvious that he's just you know, and he'll keep doing that. And pe- people definition like that. of a grifter. Right, right. And people, you know, I understand people want to make money, but. Yeah. I, I, I understand. Our world is our culture everywhere, no matter where you are, whether you're in the Philippines or fucking America. It's you got to make money, so you got to have a thing to follow. You know, I, I wish it wasn't that way, but that's the way it is. So I get it. Yeah. People are people grift toward <laughs> that way. Right. <sighs> but there is a wood way. There's always a middle path. It's just it's not it's not vibrant. It's yeah. not something that's marketable and. Mm. It's not something that attracts people like a um, extreme side of a spectrum with veganism or carnivore. But I think that the people that go on those spectrums, they always fall back. They rotate back and forth, back and forth until they mm-hmm. kind of level out and mm-hmm. they're right in the middle. Just like most well, of Hopefully. Or I know the ones that just keep doing it for 50 years and then they're 70 and, you know, mm-hmm. and, just, and then just like it's forgotten about. Can't do much. Yeah. 
I, I don't know, man. I mean, yeah, there's, you know, it's it's cliche because it's also cliche to be that way, right? It's it's such a, people, that also became like a, a thing that people would say online. It's like a balanced diet. What does that even mean? Like, there is, mm-hmm. like, what do you mean balance? It's not, like, there's no such thing. And like, eh, I mean, that kind of like is, you know, it's just, yeah. it's, it's, it's cliche and cheesy to say because it doesn't mean a lot. Like, it, it's not specific yeah. enough. It's, you know, Kyle brought that up in one of my podcasts with him when he said, like, it's much easier to follow a strong horse. You know, a horse that's like, or I forgot how you put it, but it's it's much easier to say, follow somebody that just goes, hey, Pedro, carbs are bad. All of them. Don't eat them. It's way easier to just be like, okay, and then just follow that person than it is to follow somebody like, like you and I, or Kyle, that we have a conversation of like... I don't know, man. <laughs> right? It's like, I mean, I see what you're you're right about what you're saying. Like, there's some, there's bad stuff, but like, it's not like all bad. Yeah. It's like a little good too, and it's like, uh, and then you get stuck, and people don't like that. People like the, but yeah, that that is the scientific method in a sense. The way that a scientist thinks is, we know this to be the case, but we're never going to state it as an absolute truth. Mm-hmm. The, like the meme goes, only a sift deals in absolutes when it comes to this stuff. There's never a final answer. You can't have an exact answer in science. It's always approximations, always approximations, always approximations. So that's why Kyle comes off in that manner where it's like, yeah, but then no in these cases. Like it's it's <laughs> the way it's thinking, always been. Yeah, because there's levels, right? And you're thinking in deeper and deeper. And yes, at the same time, dude, like at the same time, Nobody likes a floppy dick, as they say. You know, you got to have a stance on on certain things, right? right? Like you can't be like, oh, you know what? It all doesn't matter. It doesn't like you, because yeah, yeah. then you're just, you know, you you, you got to have a stance. And I'm fine with it, which is like you said, I'm fine with Paul changing his mind. I'm fine with it. I'm just not fine with him, you know, stealing other people's ideas and and passing That's them it. off as their own. Um, saying these statements which have so many holes in them right and it's just like well come on be honest about this thing you know you're not really being you're not giving us the whole picture you're giving us a little piece of the picture and you're saying like i drew this picture and it's like motherfucker like didn't i see that a part of some other bigger picture and like you you don't know so you just kind of believe him right a good example of that most recently is his discussions on insulin where before when he started all of this, he would discuss hyperinsulinemia being a really big concern and you just don't want insulin levels high. And he flip-flopped now to the idea of insulin being a osmotic regulator of ions like potassium and sodium. And so you need, you need insulin to maintain good electrolyte level, levels. And that's something he would have never said or discussed before when he started the carnivore diet. But now he's starting to discuss it's like – if you were wrong about this, what makes you so sure that you won't be wrong in the future about some of the things you're already saying right mm-hmm, now? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yep. And like I said, I'm fine with people saying, hey, this is what I think right now. Uh, this has been my experience, my honest experience, which is a big thing too, like I said, because I've had also talked to people that are, oh, I've tried the vegan diet or I've tried the carnivore diet for how long? Uh, for like a week or so, you know, and it's like, well, okay, like you haven't, yeah. you know, I, I need like real experience and like honest, real experience. And so, yeah, I don't know if he was really honestly vegan, you know, mm-hmm. I, I respect his experience that he, hey, he noticed that when he took out vegetables and his eczema went away. I, I've, 
I've um, talked to a lot of people that have the same experience. But you know who, what else I've, I've had? Like what, who else I've talked to? People that have taken it out and then started eating vegetables again and their eczema never came back. Because, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. hey, there could be a billion other things that changed in your lifestyle, right? In your sleeping patterns. Hey, maybe you moved to another home. You're, you know, you got rid of some mold or, I mean, fuck. Like, I'm okay with people fixing and themselves and believing in it. But you got to be honest about it. <laughs> as, as that quote goes, to contextualize things takes time. So most people don't take the time to do it. Mm. Yeah. And, and we're all too busy, you know, it comes back to that mm-hmm. thing of just, right, we're like pushed, like, okay, no, 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 put put the book out. Oh, you did, yeah. the, you did the diet for one year, write a book about it. Right. Yeah, and I, lately, I'm like, not lately, my, my, honestly, which is why, like, I don't have a book. I, I could have had seven books by now, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. because it's like, I was always very aware of like, fuck, man, I like what I'm doing and it's working, but I don't know if this is the thing that everybody should do, should be doing. And then a couple of years pass, and I'm like, hey, this thing is not working anymore, actually. Good thing I didn't put out that book on this thing because it's like, it's not working. And I'm, yeah. you got to be fine with that. You got to be okay with that, you know? Hey, maybe the vegan diet is good for a year or two. Mm-hmm. I mean, fuck, I, I'm fine with that, by the way, you know? I'm fine with people trying the carnivore diet. You just got to pay attention. <laughs> mm-hmm. I agree. I totally agree. And I think there's also a time aspect of it, like you're, you're just mentioning, a year or so, whatever diet, you fix your health in a lot of ways, but then you realize that the diet has finally stopped working. The point of diminishing returns, that's something universal. Mm-hmm. And a diet isn't isn't um, excluded from having a point of diminishing returns. And as such, you need to reintroduce some some things in or change your diet a little bit, just the way it's going to be. Which I believe is the reason why either some people that claim they've been long term whatever dieter that they are mm-hmm. have days where they don't consume. I mean, have days where they consume things that they shouldn't be on their diet, or the people that have been dieting for so long also fall off that wagon and go back to a more balanced so quotation balanced diet and i I definitely think that the word balance is just not right there has to be a better Mm. let's coin it we can come up with a new diet bro yeah i have no idea what to call it but (laughs) the wu-wei diet like the bro i see the book the wu-wei bro we're like flexing (laughs) like this on the cover like hey <laughs> the Wu Wei. <laughs> Bro, we gotta bad. work out, man. That's the most important part it about could be all a this. Thing. Yeah. Well, it's hey, it's like anything in life. Working out. Okay, working out is good for you. All right, I'm gonna work out every day, two days a week for six months. Uh two days a week, sorry. Two 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 times a day for six months. And I'm gonna go hard. No, like don't do that. That's too much. <laughs> I'm not saying working out is that good. I'm saying it's good. But it's yeah. not that good. And that's what people yeah. are doing with their diets, right? It's like, okay, animal-based diet. That's it. That's the diet for life. Even though it's funny, right? Like everything else in our lives, we improve or change or adjust, right? It's like we, technology, right? We don't fly the same planes we used to fly from 50 years ago. Like are, they're fucking different, like really different now, right? It's like why does the diet have to be the same? Like why does same it have thing. to be one diet for life? Mm-hmm. I mean, it could be, it could be, but like, I, I doubt it. I doubt that, bro, even those people that, you know, ate the whatever Mediterranean diet that was like, you know, that was like the big fad. Like, I doubt yeah. that they ate the same thing day in, day out. Mm-hmm. Cause, cause, hey, have you ever had a girlfriend? Yeah. Okay. 
has your I'm not saying you did. Oh, I thought but you were going on a thought. Go ahead. Yeah, I am, so, yeah, I am. Yeah, but I'm I, saying, like, have you ever if you ever had a girlfriend, you know that your girlfriend can't eat the same shit every day. Right? right. Am I right? Isn't that like a right. universal truth? Like they need to it eat. It is. It is. So like how the fuck did they just eat the same thing day in, day out? Like they just didn't. No way. Even if they that's why we have uh, recipes, right? People came up with shit because it's like we just mm-hmm. can't. We just can't eat the same thing day in, day out. Yeah. And I think the idea of culinary is really what makes food that much more healthy like one of the things that i learned way back was the fact that a good tasting meal will force your pancreas to release release more enzymes for digestion Mm. whereas if you were consuming a meal that just isn't tasty it was just meal prep like a bodybuilding meal it won't put it won't cause your body to release that same amount of pancreatic enzymes that could otherwise be present and so right there and then just from the way you cook the meal you'll have a much better digestion, a much better absorption of those compounds and nutrients, and a much better um, excretion of the compounds and nutrients that your body doesn't need. Mm. Imagine that. Mm-hmm. You make a meal that tasty, and it makes that much of a difference in somebody's health. So true. And we've all had that experience, right? It's like, what do you love to do? Go to your mom's house, and your mom cooks you a delicious meal. Mm-hmm. It's like it, it's the same food you're eating at home sometimes, same meal, but it's just like better because mom did it and you're happy yeah. to see her, you know, if it's a good day. <laughs> but right. but right. we've all had that experience and you're so right. You'll eat one of those bodybuilding memes and just microwave it up. Fuck yeah. it, another pet people might hate. There's like a billion of those companies right now. They're huge. They're, they're yeah, just bro, killing the it. Companies. Oh yeah, they're killing it. And I get it. Like sometimes like, hey, again, it's not, you're not going to be perfect. I mean, I get it. Sometimes you need like a, a meal prep, whatever. You need like a food ready to go. You don't have the time. Bro. All I know is I'm going to do whatever Ziz did. <laughs> well, just tuna. It was like tuna and water or some shit. I forgot. He had like a <laughs> shake that had like tuna in it. I can't. It's been a long time since I, uh, well, you got to do a lot of uh, roids too. So don't forget that. <laughs> yeah, cocaine. Cocaine too. Can't forget that alkaloid. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, you know. Okay. Just to sum it up a little bit and to touch, touch sure. again up on, on alkaloids and stuff. Okay. Okay. Let's see. <laughs> All right, so let me let me try to bring it in this regard. Every food that somebody consumes will have hundreds of thousands of different compounds that we know of, may not know of, and could have effects, may not have effect. Of the ones that we've studied, there are differing effects when it comes to some of the most well-known ones like alkaloids. Alkaloids in low doses are extremely beneficial, anti-carcinogenic, anti-estrogenic, and so on. Alkaloids in high doses will definitely cause damage to your DNA, mutagenesis, and so on. The body has an ability to metabolize these compounds differently depending on somebody's genetic, gut microbiome composition, and the way they consume the food, the way they prep the food, which makes a huge difference. Food isn't something that we will have a universal diet forever. There's going to be fluctuations and contextualizations bit depending on the patient depending on what somebody needs and i never like before when i was more rigid regarding diet and compared as now where i realized what i was wrong about i'll never make broad statements about things again because i've been wrong so many times and i've looked stupid so many times regarding this that i know in the future things are going to change again and that's my way of going forward my woo way in this sense love it the woo way and and just to maybe point out, are there specific things that seem like a lot of people like to pick on the chard, the kale, like Dave Asprey, right? Those type of fellas, mm-hmm. they like to pick mm-hmm. on the Brasilica family, right? Um, 
which to be fair like honestly i don't eat a lot of that stuff it's just i'm, I'm fucking lazy to cook yeah. that stuff you know um are, do you think those things are a little bit more less beneficial and more contain some of the more anti-nutrient stuff or does cooking them in a certain way and enough uh pretty much makes it a you mm -hmm. know uh, evens out to other yeah. foods yeah so cooking definitely destroys some of these compounds too if you slow cook it high heat pressure um it helps to really decrease the amount of whatever alkaloids somebody may be having issues with but the other thing is i feel absolutely wonderful when I consume these cruciferous vegetables. And mm. I feel like it's helping me metabolize estrogen because if I don't consume these, I start feeling a little bit shitty. I start to put maybe a little bit more weight or I'm just a little more bloated throughout mm. my body. Just feel like I retain water more. And so with that context in mind, it's like has somebody experimented with this to know how they feel in the first place? Do they feel better with it, without it? Um, and if they do feel better with it, continue it. If they don't, Take it out. Try mm -hmm. to introduce something else. I, I can't generalize any further because I just don't know people's experience. Mm -hmm. It's it's so hard to just make a broad statement on things. Like yesterday, I was talking about um, menstruation and women and how it's the higher active uh, activity of estra, estradiol in specific increases vasodilation, hits the trigeminal nerve, and it causes migraines in women during their menstrual cycle. But then after discussing estrogen's role and progesterone's role, somebody messaged me on Instagram saying that actually they went ahead and improved serotonin signaling, improved their estrogen levels, and their migraines went away. Mm. So right there is the dichotomy. I can't say that that person's wrong. Their experience overrides what I know. Mm -hmm. I, I just can't generalize any further because I know I will be wrong in a lot of other cases, a lot of other instances. Mm -hmm. So do you go out of your way to cook uh, those cruciferous vegetables? Or do you just, you're fine consuming them raw? You personally, you feel yeah. good. You feel good raw? I, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Raw is good with me, but I also like them cooked because I just don't want to have to chew something so rough, like the roughage of it. Yeah, it, it takes time. Something I don't, I don't like. So I, I prefer cooking, but I don't mind eating it raw and I have no issues eating it raw. I don't have yeah. gas like most people have. With, yeah. Know. And again, I think, um, you know, where you are, you know, at your level of health, it's like, it, it's different for everybody because... Another person may eat that and it may take them all day to digest that stuff because they have really bad, uh, you know, gut, gut motility, right? They're just mm – -hmm. but it doesn't mean that they couldn't. Maybe they just need to improve that and they could come back exactly. to those and try them out again. Exactly. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then um, is there anything else that like – is there other veggies, let's say, that you go out of your way to consume often because they have some of the beneficial stuff? Organo for vegetables. So – Onions, garlic, and mm. just the allium family in general because those sulfur-rich compounds that they contain are extremely useful to um, prevent any kind of microbial diseases, like if you had a bacterial infection or something with viruses, which that's another discussion. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, what else? The sulfur compounds are great for heart health and also for neurological health. And mm -hmm. I feel great when I consume them. They, they have blood thinning effects as well, so circulation improves. When mm -hmm. I go to the gym and I have a meal with whatever sulfur vegetable before, my pump is so much better, so much better. Mm -hmm. my, do you have like a specific thing, like a specific salad yeah. or some shit? What do you do? So here's what I used to do way back, and I've never stopped since. 2019, I would cook um, 
It's called kamut, K-M-U-T. Mm-hmm. It's a grain. Does that sound familiar? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so yeah. I would slow cook it and make sure it's really soft. And I would just have it with a salad of onions, garlic, uh, romaine lettuce, and arugula. Mm. And then maybe I would include tomatoes. The nitrates and nitrites, the organosulfur compounds, with the carbs felt like I just ballooned up. Like my, <laughs> my muscles pumped up way more. I had less fatigue. I had less time in between my sets. Mm-hmm. I'm talking like 20 seconds before I could repeat my sets. Mm-hmm. And I've kept that since. And I've done that since. I just don't consume it first thing in the morning when I'm going to the gym, obviously, because I don't want to consume salad. My, that's right. my first meal. Right. You need some energy. But, so it's like you're, you're not consuming something that's like, uh, like you said, you're consuming that for a very specific Right. Um, reason. Health, you're, yeah, you're not health. thinking like this is like a, a calorie dense meal that's going to give you, no. that's going to replenish your glycogen and all of that. That's not why you're doing it. Yeah, so you're actually thinking about what you're eating, huh? <laughs> People don't mm-hmm. want to do that really. And I get it. We're all busy. Okay, so, uh, and um, fruits and stuff and meats, is there anything that you yeah. go out of your way to consume regularly? I mean, you know? Um, fruits, I just, as I, feel like I want it. Are you basic with the fruits, you know? Yeah. Kiwis, grapefruits, oranges, Mm -hmm. berries, a lot of frozen berries, actually, and mangoes. That's Mm. pretty much my go-to. Just good good old stuff. Oh, and well, seeds. We didn't really bring that up, I guess. We didn't talk about Mm -hmm. seeds. Are you scared of the raspberry seeds? uh... (laughs) No, no. Not at all. I I understand the whole seed perspective, especially with nuts and vegetable oils, but... um, I just don't go out of my way to consume seeds because I don't like nuts. That's mm. it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you're okay. So do you think if people having a handful of nuts and seeds, almonds and whatever cashews probably are okay? It's t- it's totally different than having pure vegetable oil from the store that's been processed with hexane. Totally yeah. different. But yeah. at the same time, I don't think some people would be well off consuming more than a handful, two handfuls every day or every other day. Mm-hmm. Um, simply because you still do get some of those omega sixes that do oxidize into the mm-hmm. aldehydes that are just not not good for you. Mm-hmm. Um, that and, is something mm-hmm. like talking about alkaloids. There's this the spectrum when it comes to the oxidation products of omega six, omega threes, and so on. There's less of a spectrum. They fall in a very short range of either this is okay, but there's no beneficial effect, or this is not okay. Hmm. And it depends on the type of fat. Like arachidonic acid is an omega-6 that got oxidized. It's used as a signaling molecule in the body. But mm-hmm. at the same time, it's so inflammatory that you don't want too much of it. Hmm. Yeah. And to be fair, some of those nuts and seeds do contain um, some things that people are under eating, I feel like. Vitamin and I feel, E. Yeah, vitamin E, um, zinc in, um, is it in the cashews or pistachios or maybe both uh, of them? Well, whatever. Remember. But my point is, I think also sometimes when people start consuming those things, maybe they feel better. I think that could be a reason why, because they're probably under eating something. Yeah, and then they're, Yeah, and then they introduce that nut or whatever, and they're like, I feel better. And I'm like, well, it could be that you're just under eating this other thing, which you could also get from oysters or whatever, right? Or mm-hmm. eating beef liver. So something to play around with. Okay, man. So, well, we did a did a good job, I think. Anything else you want to throw in on there, on, on us? <laughs> I don't know, man. Besides flying Thank out to, to San Diego, that's all. So, uh, yeah, we got to figure that out. I, don't, <laughs> I, don't, I need, I need friends, man. I can't be here alone. <laughs> I know. We'll, we will. I promise. I promise. Come on. By the we'll end of the man. summer, we'll figure it out. We'll figure, we'll figure it, it out, bro. Thank you so much for uh, coming on again, brother. You are the man. Absolutely, man. I'm happy so, to be here again. It's always a good time, and um, yeah, we'll do this again uh, when Paul or Dave makes another great video for us to discuss or something. <laughs> 
Sounds like a plan. Thanks, brother. End up owning me.